You know, I guess one of the big lies of our time, our day and time, would say this. If I don't understand God, then I don't trust God. Or if I can't figure God out, then I'm going to forget about faith. And that's kind of a lie of our times that we can have a tendency to buy into. Um, last week, if you were here with us, I introduced you to two of my friends. Don't laugh at them. James is going to put them on the screen for us. This is Mr. and Mrs. Flat, and they have a problem. Their problem is they are very two-dimensionals. They are stuck in the world in which I drew them. That's just where they're stuck. In fact, if I draw them on a piece of paper, I've got a copy of them here on my screen here, and I can touch Mr. Flat, and I can touch Mrs. Flat, I can actually be closer to them than they will ever be to themselves. They are stuck right where they are in that dimension, in that shape, in that place, in that context. But I can be in front of them. I can be behind them. I can be on this side and that side, but they can't. They don't even know they have a behind, actually. That's all they see in that two-dimensional world. And so if, if I were trying to get to know them, I, I could try to enter their world. In fact, I could try to take my finger and place it into their two-dimensional world, but they wouldn't see my finger like you see it in this world. They would see this. James is going to show them. They would see just this little circle. That's all they would see. That would, that's all they would see is my finger broke the plane into their two-dimensional world. That's what they would see. Now, if I were trying to help them to know me, I, I could do a couple of things. I, I could get information to them. I could get a story to them. Um, if I were trying, though, I, I think maybe the most loving thing I could do would meet four dimensions that I live in, multi-dimensional world, the three to four dimensions that I live in, I could leave that behind and I could actually enter into their world, one of them, just like them. I could do that. The amazing thing is that's exactly what God did for us. He left the many dimensions of, and however many dimensions there are to his world, he left that and he became one of us so that we could get to know him. And he did it even beyond that. It's so he could save us. He did it for us. He left all of that. And then for us who are still here, he had it all recorded. He had it written down in story form. And that story is designed to guide us toward him. And how silly would it be for me to look at God and say, God, thank you so much for leaving your world behind and coming into this world that you created. How, how crazy would it be for me to say, God, thank you. Thank you for limiting yourself, leaving behind all of those dimensions and limiting yourself to this little three, four dimensional world that you created and living here among us. Uh, thank you for doing that. But listen, the, about the whole Bible thing, the story thing, God, that you left for us. Listen, I'm just not a reader, God. I, I just don't like to read. Thanks for doing what you did, but I just don't like to read. Really? 
you, you mean God sends us a personal message designed to guide us into knowing him better. And yet we pick up the phone and we're like, we look at who it's from and we hang it back up. Notice I did this. Where did that come from? That was from 1985. <laughs> but we look at the phone and we say, we see who it's from. We're like, oh, I'm not going to read that message. And we pick up our phone. We see a f- message from a friend. Oh, we're going to read that. We check our email. And we read the emails from the people we know. But to God, it's as if we look at it and we hang it back up. We say, God, I'm just not a reader. And you hear me say that and you think, well... Yeah, I I mean, Harley, you wouldn't say that to God. We wouldn't say that to God, but, but we do. We say that to God every day with the way that we live and what we do. So in this series, we're just simply saying, let's Let's take another look at this instant message that God has sent us, this text, this Gmail from God called the Old Testament, called the New Testament. And you know why it's called a testament, right? It's, that's another word for covenant. So it's the old covenant, it's the new covenant. And it's called this new covenant because Jesus said, I'm giving you something new. The old covenant was simply there to show you you can never meet God's standard. And his standard is perfection. And knowing we could never meet his standard, knowing we would never be able to be perfect as God requires us to be perfect at just the right time, Jesus brings us this new contract, this new covenant, this new testament. In fact, the entire Bible, the entire Bible is God's story leading up to that point and then into eternity. And the whole point of this series is to simply ask you to create a daily habit for the rest of your lives of reading your Bible just a little bit every day. The Old Testament, it's God's story of raising up a nation. And he keeps that nation very separate from the rest of the world, not because they're so important or so special. For one reason, he keeps them separate because that is the nation through whom he's going to bring the Messiah to the world. So he wants them separate. And he does that. And that's the story of the Old Testament, raising up this nation. And then the New Testament is the story of that Messiah who came from that nation. And it's that Messiah, Jesus, then it's the story of Jesus starting the church. That's the story of the New Testament, the new covenant, this new contract. And then it ends with telling us how Jesus, the Messiah, is going to come back. This book that we call the Bible is not really a book at all. It's a library made up of 66 books written by over 40 different authors over the course of thousands of years, but yet it tells one single story, God's redemption of man. And every single word and every phrase and every number, every placement of every word is in there for a very specific purpose. And just what if, 
What if God orchestrated this whole thing, put it all together just to communicate with you? We talked to you last week, told you that the Old Testament is divided up into sections. There's this section of books that are about history. Then there's a section of poetry, a section of wisdom writings, a section of then prophecy. And the prophecy section, it can be a little tough. It can make reading the Old Testament a little bit tough. It can be a little bit tricky, a little bit confusing, because remember, most of the prophecy is speaking to a very specific people group at a very specific time, a very specific context. And that people group, in most cases, is not you and it's not me. It's to a very specific group of people. And a very specific time, in most cases, not right now. And so we can't read most of that prophecy and try to relate that to our lives today that we're living because that was not written to us, about us, about our lives. It was written to another group of people at another time and another context. But one of the very super cool things about prophecy is this. God used prophecy to authenticate the entire collection of books called the Bible. That's what he used. That was like God's thumbprint. And here's how he did it. He would say, this is going to happen. And in the future, then it did happen. And it's as if God is saying, see, I told you it would happen. Then it happened just like I said it would happen. That's me. I orchestrated that. You can trust me. See, that's my thumbprint. This is mine. I put it all together. And, and it's as if he's saying, you can trust me. See, I told you it would happen. And it happened. That's a very cool thing about prophecy. And it usually happened hundreds of years it was be prophesied hundreds of years before it ever happened. God's prophecy even tells us about the Messiah, about Jesus coming. And he spoke very clearly about, about things that would happen, events that would lead up, things that would happen when he was here, things leading up to him coming. I have a, a whole series about that, and you can look it up. I would encourage you to go and listen to it. It's called, It Was Written. It's a great series to encourage you about how God uses this thing called prophecy to authenticate, to give us his thumbprint. It's as if God is signing off on saying, see, it's mine. You can trust me. For thousands of years, God showed up in this Old Testament, this old covenant, old contract time. He would show up and he would talk to his people through uh, through prophets, sometimes through priests. And then something happened. At the end of the Old Testament, as we have it, suddenly God becomes silent. He doesn't say anything else. There's not a prophet that he spoke to that we have recorded. It's as if he's saying, I've told you what I need to tell you now, just simply follow me. And they didn't hear from God again at the end of the Old Testament for quite some time. They waited and they waited and they waited. Generations were born and generations died. They waited. For 400 years, God was silent. 
for 400 years, there was no record of God speaking to the people at all. Now, we've been a country for just a little over 200 years, and, and that seems so distant to us, like so long ago, generations ago. We can't imagine, you know, we can't imagine having a conversation with Benjamin Franklin or John Adams or George Washington. That was the 1700s. We can't imagine that. That was just a little over 200 years ago. God was silent for the Israel nation for 400 years. They didn't hear anything from God. They were just waiting, watching, waiting for the promised Messiah. That's what they were waiting for, waiting for God to speak again. Now, during that time, if you read your history books, the world changed a lot during that time. Um, the Persian Empire came and they went away. During that 400 years, the Greek Empire came and it went away. During that 400 years, the Roman Empire came and it went away. All during that 400 years that God was silent. But the interesting thing is, the rise and the fall of all of those empires, guess what? God told us it would happen. Using prophecy, one of his prophets, God spoke to him and said, tell him this, and it's in the book of Daniel. Daniel's not just the story of the lion's den and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's also full of prophecy. And God told us what would happen. And that all took place during that 400 years of silence. And it's as if God is saying, see, I told you, don't give up on me. I haven't left. Don't give up. But you can imagine it would have been tough. It would have been tough to stay the course as an Israelite, waiting, not hearing from God for 400 years. But it was part of God's plan, and that was part of God's timing. Then suddenly, after hundreds and hundreds of years, as if it were out of the blue, after hundreds and hundreds of years of no communication with God, an angel shows up and talks to a little teenage girl. And he tells her that she has been chosen to be the mother of Jesus, the Messiah. After all that time of silence, they hear God's voice again. You can imagine how many people must have given up waiting, how many people must have just walked away from God, turned their backs on God. But God had not forgotten. God was waiting for his selected time, and it just happened to be about 400 years. And he shows up. He shows up in the middle of his creation. He shows up in the Middle East from the tribe of Judah, from the bloodline of King David, and he shows up as a baby. And it just so happens that was just like he prophesied hundreds of years before, and that's exactly how it happened. Now, he was doing that. You really should check out that series called It Is Written. It Was Written. Okay, so... As Jesus shows up on the scene here, there's another man that shows up about the same time, and his name is John. They describe him as John the Baptizer. And John was teaching to crowds of people. They would gather. He was kind of, he was kind of weird. Not, nothing straight and narrow, straight laced like I am. This guy was weird. He dressed weird. He had weird hair, and he ate weird things. 
but people gathered to listen to this guy teach. And he was teaching them, and here's what he said. He said, listen, you need to confess your sins. You need to clean up the house of your life and get ready because the Lord is coming. Get ready. Get ready. And people would come and they would listen, and lives were being changed. And some men came to John, the baptizer, and they asked him, they said, listen, John, help us understand, where do you come from? Are, are you a prophet? And John was like, no, no, I'm not a prophet. And they're like, well, John, are, are you the Messiah that has been promised so long ago? Are you the Messiah? And he was like, no. And then John quotes from one of the Old Testament prophets who spoke prophecy, which is they, God told them things to write down, things that were coming, things that would happen, and they wrote it down. And he quoted from one of the prophets. I don't have it on the screen, but here's basically what he said. He said, I, I am not the Messiah. He said, I am the messenger. I'm sent to prepare the way of the Lord. That's what John said. So he's quoting from a prophecy written hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And it's so interesting that he would quote from a prophet about who he was, to describe who he was, because God not only told us about John through Isaiah, but he also told us about John from one of the last prophets, one of the last prophets to, to prophesy. And we have it in our Old Testament. It's in the last book of the Old Testament. It's about the prophet uh, Malachi. And Malachi, hundreds of years before John is on the scene, he describes what was going to happen. And here it is, Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. The prophet is speaking, telling him what God said to write. He says, look, I'm sending my messenger. That's how John just described himself using the prophet Isaiah. I'm sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. He's saying, John is saying, that's me. Isaiah wrote about it. That's me. And then we look in Malachi and we say, yeah, yeah, that's the way it's described in Malachi as well. And that messenger that Malachi is talking about was John the baptizer. And so John tells these guys, he's like, no, 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 I'm not the Messiah. I'm preparing the way for the Messiah to come. And then John is teaching He's teaching. This is like the next day. He's teaching, and he sees somebody walking towards him. Okay, so John the disciple writes this down for us. Verse 29 of John chapter 1. <clears throat> the next day John saw, and this is John the baptizer. The next day John the baptizer saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, so now he stops his teaching and he directs everybody towards Jesus. And here's how he introduces Jesus. He says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this is what John is saying. He's saying, I know you Jewish people, you are good Jewish people to be here listening. 
He said, I know you are well aware of lambs and sacrifices and, and sacrifices for sin, and you have to do it over and over and over again, sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice to cover your sins. He's saying, look, God himself is providing his own lamb, who is Jesus, the Messiah, God himself. And this sacrifice that he is providing, it's for you. But it's not just for you because this sacrifice is so big, is so amazing. This sacrifice is big enough, large enough, good enough, pure enough to cover the sins of the whole world. And then John says this in verse 30. He, that's Jesus, is the one I was talking about when I said, a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. And it's very interesting that John says, he existed long before me. You know why that's so interesting? Because Jesus and John were born about the same time. They were about the same age. But yet John says, huh, huh, he existed long before me. You know what John knows about the Messiah? That Jesus is not just a man. Jesus was all the way back existing before creation because Jesus is God. He says, this is not just any Messiah. This is not just any man. This is not going to be just any sacrifice. This is not a mere man. Jesus is God himself here in the flesh. And he's here to die like a lamb, but for the sacrifice, the sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. And if it's going to be for the sins of the whole world, it's going to take a much bigger sacrifice than a lamb or than just a mere man. It's going to take God himself. And then just about three years later, after this happened between John the baptizer and Jesus. About three years later, Jesus actually presents himself. This is just days before he goes uh, to die on the cross. He presents himself to the nation of Israel. As he rides in on a donkey, he presents himself as the Messiah. Now this is super cool. Because that exact day that Jesus presents himself to the entire nation... God also told us that was going to happen, that his Messiah would present himself to the nation of Israel as their Messiah. And he tells us the exact day, and he told us hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before it ever happened. And he told us that also in the book of Daniel. And that was God saying, see, this is my story. I have put this together. You can trust me. You may not understand me, but you can know me and you can trust me. And that is the story that he provides us in the library that we call 
the Bible, it is God redeeming. It is God buying back his whole creation. It's amazing. So we talked about the Old Testament last week, and like the Old Testament, the New Testament, the new covenant, the new contract is divided up into sections. We have what we call the Gospels. That's the first part of the books, and the Gospels describe in detail the three-year period leading up to Jesus going to the cross. That's what the Gospels. And then there's a section of history. Uh, the history is basically the book of Acts. And then we have a section of letters that were written by uh, those who followed Jesus. They wrote some letters. Some of the letters are written to churches, to groups of people. Some of the letters are written to very specific individuals. And then to end the New Testament, we have one book of they heard from God. That's how it's kind of organized. You see, the Jews, they heard from God in the Old Testament, and then they went through 400 years of silence. Jesus came back. He arrives here on the scene as the Messiah. He dies for our sins. He raises from the dead. I'm kind of giving you a timeline here. Raises from the dead, and then he starts the church. This all happens in the New Testament, and then he leaves us with this message. Listen to what he says. This is just not long before Jesus dies. John chapter 14, starting with verse 1. Here's what Jesus said. He's talking to his followers here, a very small group of people who are gathered together. He says this, don't let your hearts be troubled, Jesus said. Trust in God and trust also in me, he says. There, are, there is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, I, I, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? In other words, he says, I, I'm going. I'm going to leave here. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm here right now with you. You're used to me being with you, but I'm not going to be here right beside you. I'm getting ready to leave to prepare a place for you. He goes on in verse 3. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. He's saying, don't worry. I'm coming back for you. I'm leaving, but I'll be back. And he says in verse 4, and besides, basically, and besides, and you know the way where I'm going. In other words, you know how to get there, guys. You know where it is, so, it, you know, you, you know where I'm going. So just calm down. You know where I'm going. You know how to get there. Don't worry. But they're worried. He says in verse 5, no, 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 Lord, Lord, Lord wait, wait, wait. I don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We, ha we have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? He's saying, God, listen, don't, don't leave us here because if you leave, we have been following you this three years. We have followed you. And if you leave, we do not know the way. We do not know the next step to take. We don't know how to get to where you're going to be. Don't leave us. We don't know. We don't have a map. We don't know how to get there. You haven't told us. Don't leave us. And Jesus responds. Jesus told him in verse 6. It's like he's saying, don't worry. He says, I am the way. Thomas, don't worry. You do know the way. I am the way. You 
know me. I am the way. He says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And some days, right after this, Jesus died. He walked out of the tomb. And then days later, he gathered them together again. And he now tells them this. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And then he told them, Jesus told them, he looks at them, he says this, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. That's what he told them. He gathered them together. He said, listen, I want you to go preach the good news. What is the good news? That the Messiah has come. He's Jesus. And he came here to die for you. Three days later, he rose again. And all of that, he said it was going to happen just like that. And then it happened just like that. It was prophesied. And then it happened. You can trust me. He said, tell them the good news. And then Jesus says this, verse 19. When the Lord, I mean, he, this happens Right after he says this, verse 19, when the Lord has finished talking, had finished talking with them, here's what happened. He was taken up in, so right in front of their eyes, he gives them these instructions and then a few more. And then right in front of their eyes, he was taken up into heaven. And then John says, and there he sat down at the place of honor at God's right hand. And what did they do next? Exactly what he told them to do. Verse 20. And the disciples went everywhere and they preached. And it says the, word, the Lord worked through them, confirming what they had said by many miraculous signs. So Jesus says, hey guys, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be here forever. In fact, I'm getting ready to leave. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. But you know where it is. Because I'm the key to get there. I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man can get there, can get to the Father. Where I'm going, they cannot get there except through me. So I want you to go tell everybody what you've seen, what you've experienced. Go tell them that good news. While I'm gone, get to know me more. And go tell them what you find out, what you know. And then he was gone. He was gone. He gave them one last word, though. He gave it to John, who also wrote this book that we're reading here. John the Disciple. He gave a glimpse of the future to John. And this is this one book of prophecy in the New Testament. He gave it to John. It was a peek into the future, and it was describing many, many events, and one of those events is how Jesus is going to come back for the church. He gives him that bit of information. And we think to ourselves, well, wait a minute, Jesus left a little over 2,000 years ago. That's when he left, and we have been waiting for him to come back since then. We've been waiting. He didn't come back yesterday. He didn't come back last night. He didn't come back last month. I don't know if he's going to come back. And the longer we wait, perhaps the, the less we think about him. 
but he asked us to wait. And the disciple Peter, he wrote this about 30 years or so after Jesus died and rose again. Peter writes this, and this was just 30 years ago, 30 years from that point, but it applies now even though it's been 2,000 years. Listen to what he wrote in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Peter said, the Lord really isn't being slow about his promise. Some people think, no, 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 no. He, he is being patient, patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. And so here we are. Today, we are still waiting. He gave us the story of raising up the nation of Israel in the Old Testament and prophesying about the coming of the Messiah. That's the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. And then he stopped. And they waited 400 years, 400 years. And then he put it back into action at just the right time in the New Testament as the Messiah shows up on the scene and he's here, but then he leaves. He comes and does exactly what he said he was going to come and do. And then he leaves, but he says before he leaves, Hey, listen, I will be back to get you, but while I'm gone, get to know me more and tell everyone around you the good news about me, he said, while you wait. And then he leaves. And here, here we wait. Thousands of years, not for us. You've only been waiting a few years. But on the calendar, it's been thousands of years, 2,000 plus years. And we wait. To us, it seems like a long time, but to God, it's just waiting for the right time, the time he already knows, the time he has selected, but he'll come back to get us. And he says this to us, but while you wait, get to know Jesus more. I've sent you the message. <laughs> He's given us the message. He says, open the message. Open the text. Open the Gmail. Open it and get to know him through the text he has sent you. And while you're at it, tell the people around you the good news. That Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life, and no man can get to the Father except through him. And I know in our day, in our society, our time, our culture, that seems so exclusive, like, oh, it's the Jesus Club. Nobody can get in there. Jesus is guarding the gates. Can't get in. But, you know, that's not the way it happened. Jesus is doing quite the opposite. He's saying, I don't want you to have to search for the way to God. I don't want you to have to guess, how do I get to God? I don't want you to guess. He's saying this, he's waving his arms over here, over here. It's me. I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. He says, no man can get to the father except through me. He's saying, I am the way. And he's saying to you, while you wait, don't keep it a secret. Don't hide it. Point the way to the father. And the way is through the Son. It's not being exclusive. 
It's pointing the way and making sure everyone knows the way. Jesus was opening the way. They didn't have to guess if they were good enough. He said, just make your way to Jesus. That's the way. So here's where we wait. And our challenge to you this morning, while you wait, read his word. While you wait, read his message to you. And we're adding this this week. And share the good news found within. This week I will have on Facebook for you, I will have a post that puts the New Testament in chronological order. So it's in the order. You can read it in the order that the events took place. We gave you one. You can pick that up for the Old Testament. It's out at the Next Steps table this morning for the Old Testament from last week. It puts it in the order of how the events took place. And I'm going to give you that on Facebook this week for the New Testament because we want you to read it. We want you to read it so you can get to know him and then simply share that good news with the people around you. Share it with love. Share it with kindness that Jesus, he's the way to the Father. He's the truth. He's the life. Let's pray. God, you told us, you said, don't let our hearts be troubled. But yet, God, so often our hearts are so very troubled. You told us we can trust in God. We can trust in you. You told us that there is more than enough room for us, that you are actually preparing a place for us, that you have gone, you are not here, you left to prepare that place, but you promised us that you would come back and get us. And you said, by the way, you know where it is. Thomas said, Father, we don't know. Jesus, we don't know. How do we get there? How can we know? And you said, Jesus, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You said, you're coming to get us, those who submit their lives to you. You're coming to get us so that we will be with you always. Jesus, thank you for being the way. Thank you for showing us the way that you did not keep it mysterious or hidden. Thank you for being the way, and we can know you, the way, the truth, and the life. So while we wait for you, may we get to know you more through your word. And Father, may we share the good news that you desire everyone to know you and you provided a way for that to happen. Give us the wisdom, God, to know what to do with what we've heard and give us the courage to do it. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen.